Jean Dion here today on the SAP Concur Conversations podcast. I'm the Vice President of Value here at SAP Concur, leading a value team. Our role here is to work with customers to solve business problems and to work on their goals and objectives in support of their corporate roles. Uh, Today, I have with me one of our Partner Innovation Award winners, Dr. Mark Sterling from Blue Dot. We're going to talk about tax. Tax can be really uh, confusing, but Mark has a great way of explaining and making it all simple. So, Mark, I'd like to go ahead and let you go ahead and introduce yourself. Sure. Thanks, Jean. My name is Mark Sterling, as uh, Jean said, from Blue Dot. I'm a Senior Vice President of Global Channels for the organization, responsible for working uh, with our key partners to to bring our joint technologies to market, um, supporting them in not only the uh, the delivery of these uh, these services to their customers, but but helping to ensure the customers are maximizing the value from those services once they have decided to use them. Great. Thanks. So I want to dive right into this because tax can be a complicated thing. And I remember in a former life, I had to work along that tax and thought mostly about it as a compliance issue. And I knew there were a lot of complex processes that were required in order to reclaim tax, whether it was VAT or any other type of tax. And it required a certain amount of, actually a significant amount of manual effort from our employees. You know, whether they were a traveler or somebody in the back office doing the reconciliation and auditing of receipts or et cetera, it it was a lot of work and it, it seemed to be somewhat confusing for everyone. So I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about what Blue Dot does to relieve some of that pain, kind of walk me through that process for tax reclaim. And I I was wondering if we could start with the difference between domestic and international VAT collections. Of course, let me try to to summarize. And as you say, there are are two main domains within the the recovery of of VAT around the world. And there are countries might call it a a different thing, but I'll refer to it as, as VAT for the purpose of this of this session. Uh, domestic, let's start with definitions of what uh, what domestic means. Domestic relates to the country of the employee that's incurring the spend. So as you can probably all tell from my accent, I'm based here in the UK. So for me, the UK is my is my domestic. My my colleague who's based in, in Paris will, will have France as their domestic. And the way it works within, within the, uh, the realms of VAT, especially the VAT that's incurred on employee-based spend, is that all the spend that I incur in my own country that we can demonstrate and prove is for business purpose that is eligible and qualifies with the rules can be reclaimed by my employer um, as as part of their their domestic uh, VAT processes. It's it's actually a deduction that they they put together. Um, And so you you need to understand what did I do? Where, Where was I? Traveling in the UK, incurring... Uh, business travel in the UK, staying in a hotel, using my car, uh, and, and so on. Um, and then we need a process to to track that that spend was incurred, that it's legitimate, that I've got the right supporting evidence, um, and then to to aggregate it all together and put it in the financials as a as a deduction on our on our next return. Critical to understand: there's no no money transfers hands 
here. The government doesn't reimburse this money typically. It's it's a it's a deduction, um, and it's it's based upon. I guess you, you could you could describe it simply as a as a trust system, uh, but the authorities can come in and audit, and so they will ask to come in and they'll they'll check the controls that you have in place on those on those processes. How how do I as an, a traveller understand uh, what I'm doing? How does the employer understand that it's legitimate uh, that we have the right evidence? And if the controls are found to be to be lacking, um, the authorities can impose sanctions leading through to fines and penalties for, uh, for non-compliance. Um, and that's the process that's associated with, with domestic. Now I talk about fines and penalties for, for non-compliance. Of course, these days, in fact, the bigger concern is more likely to be getting on the authorities' blacklists. And often people find themselves, or organizations will find themselves in the news for, uh, for VAT challenges. So you know, there's, a, there's a lot of reasons uh, why you wanna make sure you get this process right. The other part of this process is foreign VAT. You, you call it international, I'll, I'll say foreign. So foreign VAT is again, it's foreign to me as a person. So for me traveling to Paris, all the spend that I've now done in France would be my foreign VAT. My French colleague who's traveling with me in France, however, for him, that would be domestic. So there are various treaties in place around the around the world um, on on which countries will reimburse VAT to, uh, to other countries, uh, but in this basis, uh, France will reimburse uh, certain aspects of their their VAT to uh, to UK based organisation. So similarly, um, I need to, to to track and expense every part of my uh, of my 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 journey. Uh, my employer then needs to go through the process of qualifying, auditing, understanding. Um, exactly what I did, demonstrating you know, beyond reasonable doubt um, that this was incurred in the course of doing business and the spend is eligible. And then they go through a submission process where you, you through various mechanisms, depending on some of the, the nuances around the world, you submit a request to the foreign authorities to reimburse the VAT you believe you're entitled to from that, uh, from that country. I mean, it goes, into, it goes into their authorities, they review your, your requests, which are typically line itemized. Um, and should they agree with your requests, they will then remit the funds back to you. So physical money transfers hands. So unlike domestic, where the penalties for doing it wrong are that, that they'll come in and audit you and you can get in trouble with the authorities, for, for foreign, there's a lot of complexity in the submission processes and the penalties for getting it wrong are that you will not get the money back. So you lose you lose money in that, uh, in that instance. So when I hear that, when I hear that description, two things pop into my head. It's the quality of the data and it's the risk that a company runs when they're going through a reclaim process of really identifying because at the end, as we all know, there is the possibility of audit. And so every time that there is a misstep within the process, you risk something of consequence for your company. So, I know there is there there are two different pieces of reclaiming the VAT. I know it's eligibility and disqualification. And if you wouldn't mind telling me the difference between those two and and how we can use that to let's first tackle that risk part of it. What's the difference between eligibility and disqualification and how does it tie to your tax reclaim process? Oh, of course. And 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 I'll I'll pick up on that word that word risk because of course one of the reasons we're here is to is to reduce and remove uh, that uh, that risk 
uh, and that's that's what we're going to be talking about in this in in this in this process. So the two concepts, eligibility and uh, and disqualification. Eligibility refers to the VAT that is in your, in this case, your expenses, um, that uh, that you could reclaim should all things be be perfect in the way that the uh, the data is uh, the data is there. And there are examples around the world that, that they're always changing, but there are examples around the world where where spend may not be may not be eligible. There may be a country, for example, that doesn't uh, just simply doesn't uh, reimburse VAT. To, uh, to vote from another country. It's referred to as reciprocity um, and uh, the treaties that are in place just may not allow that to, to happen. So it doesn't matter how much you spend as a business traveler, um, traveling, uh, traveling from one country to another, if that country won't reimburse, uh, reimburse it. There are also some local rules where, where countries will not allow you to reclaim elements of your, uh, of your spend. And there's, uh, there's an example that I, I often talk about in, in France where um, hotel rooms that the hotel line itself in France is just not something you're allowed to reclaim um, and so even if the VAT is there it's not eligible and there's nothing we can do about that like that that's that's the law um, that's the way the rules uh, the rules work the, the second concept though which is something we can control and when I say we I'm talking about all of us as business travelers or as uh, people who, who spend on behalf of our employer um, uh, and that is disqualification Disqualification uh, re refers to the, the VAT that you could get back, but you've not been able to get back because you're, so, something's wrong. You've not got the right evidence. Um, there are examples around the world in, you don't have the right address on a receipt. You've got a credit card slip rather than the, the correct hotel folio, for example. Um, and dis disqualification is something you want to target. You want to understand, why am I not getting the VAT back? What can I do to improve that position? Is it, is it a question of training? Do my employees not have the right, uh, right knowledge? Have I not got the right processes or visibility and reports into that data to allow me to do that? So that's a great segue because, as I mentioned, I think there's two pieces to that VAT reclamation. It's the risk and controlling that risk, but it also requires a lot of data mining based on rules. And, and I'm just curious, because I, I know I live in the US, so our tax rules are constantly changing um, and there's always some sort of flux around interpretation. So when I think about this overall, are the rules really steady or do they change frequently? I, I can imagine that it's probably difficult to keep all these rules straight, especially if you're an organization that's working in 10, 15, 20, 40, 70 countries around the world. Is that the case? Is it hard to keep it straight? If you could, you know, just kind of give me a simple version of what's happening in the world as it relates to rules. Uh, I mean, the, the simple answer is yes. What we're finding, and the, and the reason why we, we do what we do, is that you know, organizations are, are not set up for the purpose of managing their VAT. Right? All organizations are set up for the purpose of, of doing, doing their line of business. That's what they, that's what they do. Um, the, the, the knowledge, the skills, the processes required to manage the VAT processes in the employee spend um, are, are quite complicated and it requires it requires quite a lot of understanding on a number of different parts you've got to design your expense systems to capture the right data you've got to have employees that are educated on exactly what should go into that uh, that data you've got to have the the right review processes afterwards to ensure that the that the uh, the data that's been as you say mined and uh, and understood is uh, is is accurate and 
this whole process relies upon uh, relies on people. And this is what we've learned. And this is this is where we we come from as a as a business in the provision of this 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 service. This historically has been a very manually driven process. Whether you're talking about in internal processes um, or, or or shared service centers, outsourced providers, they rely on people. And and people have finite memories. People understand their own rules, or you, you would argue understand some of the rules in their countries. But as you say, no one person can understand. The complexity uh, all around the all around the world that goes that goes with this. So we so we start on the premise that we have to remove the the, the person from the process. We have to remove the need for the, the the business traveler or the 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 spender on behalf of the organization understanding exactly what the rules are and whether they they have the perfect quality receipt. Uh, as applied to to that in every part of what they they do, we have to remove the reliance on people and all these organisations around the world having to research and understand all the changes in in the regulations. I'll, I'll touch on that in a moment. Um, and we need to remove people from that process of understanding the uh, how to review, double check, and sanity check uh, these these processes prior to uh, to submission. And this is where where we we come from. We're we're one hundred percent focused on the automation. Um, and our organization, as, as applied to why we're having this conversation, we're, we're rapidly dominating in the technology space with patented technology. Um, and we're seeing so much demand for this service right now, where the secret source in what we're doing is understanding the expense report, the expense event, adding in all of all the VAT information that we need totally by technology before uh, taking it forwards. Um, and doing the submissions or giving you the data you need to do your uh, your deductions and removing humans from the angle. Now, what what do we what we talk about when we talk about the changes and whether this is a steady state thing? Is we did some research a few months ago actually into some some of the, the primary countries that our clients are are, are active in and how many rules had uh, had changed around VAT in that time. Bearing in mind the pandemic had triggered some of this, and uh, the, the number I was given was about a hundred. There were about 100 changes um, that, had, that had happened across uh, a number of countries, which in itself is a, is a big number. And if you think about all the people I just described in that process, every one of them would have to be trained on this and take some action. If we look at some of these rules, and I'll give an, a, a local example to my country, Help to Eat Out, which was a scheme that was introduced to encourage us all after the end of the first lockdown during the pandemic to get back out into the hospitality sector and go to restaurants and and, and help those, those organizations stay afloat. So the VAT rate was temporarily reduced. And if I remember rightly, it was uh, that reduction was actually extended once if not twice before that scheme ended, which meant that one change actually became three, if not four changes that needed to be, to be tracked, all of which would have had to have date controls and, and training that, uh, that went on to it. But there's another angle as well, Jean, in, in this data that I wanted to highlight, which is it's the it's the evolving pattern of the spend itself. Right. So the rate the rates and rules are changing, yes, but so is actually the data that we're seeing in the expense systems. Go back a few years, expense systems were largely speaking driven by the same the same events, business travel. We were booking flights, we were staying in hotels, ground transportation, meals. Um, it was very, it was very consistent in what was happening there. And the spend in those systems that wasn't related to a business trip was, was quite was quite small. In fact, we see it as being less than 5% of the spend that was going through. Post-pandemic, 
uh, we've seen this uh, quite a significant increase in, in what you might call the other expense category, the spend that's not associated with the business trip. Um, in fact, up to 25 percent of the data, according to our, our analysis, a twenty point increase. And I hear you say yes, um, and this is this is us at, at home as as travellers. I, I, I call it the decentralisation of some of the purchasing controls. We as individuals are now making purchasing decisions on behalf of our employer. We're buying laptops and monitors and keyboards and mice from our preferred suppliers using our our own cards and putting those through our expense systems. Hopefully. Everyone recognizes that uh, that scenario, and it introduces another whole big suite of change, Gene, that uh, that I'll, I'll highlight. The first part is those expense types are not consistent anymore. You see a whole variety of spend in it that no longer suits a a scaled, say, human process where if somebody's seen a particular hotel receipt a few times, they think they now know how to interpret that going forwards. Every single line could be different. You've got a much different much greater level of scrutiny that's needed on uh, on on that expense as it uh, as it comes through with the complexity that uh, that 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 will that will drive um, and previously manual processes or workarounds or even dare I say it organizations that kind of ignored this category because it was so small it become too big a part of the data now and it can't be it can't be overlooked right and I think you know this ties back to um, changes in how we're, to your point, viewing work, but also things that we would never typically think about as what we would call a taxable benefit. Something like phone or internet or hardware to keep your home office going because now you're working remotely or you have that flexibility. We wouldn't think about reimbursement of that as a benefit necessarily, but in the end, that's really kind of what's happening. And we've also seen on expense reports some other things like employee recognition or tuition reimbursement. It doesn't mean that they shouldn't be on an expense report, but it means that it requires, to your point, Mark, extra scrutiny and it needs to be thought about um, in, in how that's working. So taxable benefits have always been a thing um, we have a lot of data that's coming in. Um, so can you talk a little bit about where the blue dot philosophy fits into that? There's there's the risk that is around it. And then there's also that data mining. I'm assuming that it's the same process that's being used for that particular type of data. Would that be true? It It, it is exactly true, yes. I mean, the, the risk the risk that we talk about the risk that you're talking about is the risk of the of the employee myself making a purchasing decision putting that through the system um, and unless you've got the appropriate checks and controls in the system that decision that i made and the way that i chose to code it can flow straight into your financials and can can define the financial risk position of the of the organization um, we don't uh, we don't want that with employee benefits, fringe benefits, uh, taxable employee benefits, however you uh, you recall them, one of the one of the differences here is that it's it's not optional. Organisations are required to have processes in place to look for and track, um, and to demonstrate whether you are ruling in or ruling them out, to demonstrate that you're looking for uh, what we might call the invisible, the hidden benefits that are flowing through through processes. And we 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 all know about the the visible benefits, your health insurance that your organisation is providing, that's that's been taken care of in the central process, 
uh, and appears through your payroll or or at your end of year tax declarations. Um, but there's there's other aspects of it. I'll, I'll use an example just to help people understand what uh, what might be happening here. Here in the UK, if you have a, a a personal mobile phone that your employer is reimbursing, then the the line rental of that mobile phone is considered to be a taxable benefit that should be submitted as part of your end of year tax declarations to the authorities. You're getting a benefit from your employer, but not necessarily if it's being provided by your employer as a central phone on, on, on if you like on their bill, um, and they comply with the with the rules around around that. So it's super important to scrutinize the data in the in the same way. And from our side, it's it's a very similar process that we put into, into controlling this. Our service breaks down into, into three core parts. Um, and this is, this is true of our VAT service as well as our, our benefits service. The first thing that the service is doing is it's looking at that expense event, which once upon a time was, was predominantly travel, these days, there's a much greater spread of the of the data in that. Understanding what's on the receipt, understanding what uh, what the employee thinks they they did, uh, looking for and enhancing the tax data that is associated with that event to to truly understand what uh, what happened, and removing therefore the burden on the employee or any review processes you've got from developing that understanding. Then there's the application of the tax rules, whether those tax rules are. Uh, the uh, the VAT rules or the organization's uh, benefits policy um, and how that's been been developed to again understand uh, and exactly what you wish to do with that data how you interpret that data um, and how it's going to be to be processed benefits are a little bit more subjective um, and uh, they need to be they need to be fine-tuned um, and so if you're looking at the complexity of it we talked about before that's where we remove We've removed the, the the human angle I talked about before. We've moved the complexity of understanding all the rules because we take care of uh, of that for you. And then on the third part of of it, and as really important in in both VAT as well as its benefits, is we then have the analytics and the the reports and dashboards that will allow you to monitor and improve your position. So, for example, if you see all your employees in the UK are using their personal phones expensing them and you're they're, they're all picking up a, uh, a benefits charge you may want to consider putting in place a corporate plan and uh, and, re and removing that uh, that issue from everybody um, but also putting in place really clear dashboards and tools for the authorities to look at when they come in to audit you to show that you've got superior controls in place and that's what you get with uh, with a service that eliminates the need for people and applies a consistent rule set to the data as it uh, as it works its way its way through. That is actually a very good point. It's that overall control, not just control of risk, but control of how you're spending and spending thoughtfully uh, around the different types of things that are showing up on reports and 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 how we're putting it together. There's one piece though that we haven't touched on yet, and it's one of my favorites. It's that new term called leisure that uh, blending of business and leisure. And we're seeing a lot of expansion of that, especially after the pandemic, people are raring to go and get out and travel. And if you're going someplace really interesting, the idea that if you have meetings on Monday, maybe you show up on Saturday. 
how does that tie into taxable benefits? Where does that fit in the overall? Is that something that can be reclaimed from a VAT perspective or does it fall back into the employee benefits type thing? Great question. And it, and it does apply uh, totally to, uh, to, to both. So I talked earlier about the need to, to really understand the, the expense report. Uh, one thing I didn't touch on is that uh, within within our service and over all the years we've been we've been operating, we developed this this artificial intelligence brain. Our CTO doesn't like it when I refer to it as a brain, but I, I think of it as a, a a brain that's that's evolved just just like our own, that that's, that understands what typical employee based spend looks like. What does a business trip look like when I'm when I'm now as I do working from home? What does typical spend at uh, at home look like? It's it's typical patterns of human behaviour, and it uses it to extract contextual meaning from the expense report. Again, a mechanical process would look at what's on what's on an expense report because rarely does any technology look at uh, what's on the receipt. It's typically what the employee enters, and it's a simple sum of what the employee has has entered. Um, but what our technology looks at is what does what does it mean? So you use that example of uh, travelling. Traveling over the weekend and adding a couple of days to the to the business trip, um, and how do we manage that? Think of a scenario where you do a business trip from a Wednesday to Wednesday. I'm based in the UK. Let's say I travel to um, Australia. There's no way I'm going home for the weekend. I need to be there for the week, and I need to be there for the weekend. Um, so my weekend in Australia is not uh, in in that particular scenario. It's really easy to say that is valid for business purposes. But the typical leisure that you're talking about, a phrase that doesn't trip off my tongue very, very, very easily, I'm not quite used to that yet, um, would be uh, again, my, my colleague in France. So I travel to see my colleague in France, and as you say, I tack on a couple of days at the at the weekend. Those two days, in most scenarios, are because it's personal spend, because I stayed there two days over the weekend. They, I wasn't working, though. Of course, there are scenarios where you can demonstrate that you were. Um, those those two days are personal spend, and as a result of that as it's personal spend, not business spend, whether or not your employer chooses to reimburse it, you shouldn't be reclaiming that for VAT purposes because it's not demonstrable business spend. Similarly now, if we've identified it as personal spend, and that's what the contextual meaning in our AI is trying to look at, um, it will, uh, it should now count towards your uh, your benefits. And so you should track that, that's, that hotel stay if that's what we're talking about. And it should be fed to your payroll team as part of a taxable benefit. And then there's a company policy on what you what you do about it. Are you going to gross it up and pay it on behalf of the employee? Or is it a charge that gets passed to the to the employee? And so you know you use you use the example of, of the weekends. There are plenty of examples actually that qualify. For example, many environments they look at the percentage of alcohol on a meal receipt. And if a if a receipt contains more than a certain amount of alcohol, um, then it can qualify as, as a personal event or, or entertainment rather than a business meal. And that can have an implication on, again, whether it's considered to be something you can reclaim VAT on or whether you can, uh, whether it should be collected for the purposes of uh, benefits. Okay. And and when we're talking about those employee benefits, it's if the company has reimbursed the employee for the full hotel space stay, right? So that if an employee has stayed for the weekend and has claimed it as personal, and has paid it out on their own and the company hasn't paid it, then it doesn't show up as as a as an employee benefit, correct? Correct. Correct. So what our 
what our ser service is looking at is the approved, it's the approved spend uh, that is then reimbursed to the to the employee. And that's that's part of the control here. It's on an expense report. You've reimbursed it as an employer, so we know you've accepted that as a business charge. So that that's part of the qualification process for this as a as a business charge. But then we're looking into, I guess we're talking here, yes uh, is the wrong word. Um, what we're talking about here is that eligibility track we had at the start. Is it eligible? If it's personal spend, it's not eligible. It's personal spend, whether or not it's reimbursed by your uh, your employer. That's between you and your company's expense policy. Yeah. So this ties back actually to even how your policy is written uh, within the organization and what the company is willing to provide and not provide. So it kind of brings me to a point of thinking about how companies prepare for this type of a service. So we've talked about the risk, we've talked about the data mining, we've talked about the differences in data and how we really need that brain. You talk about the brain, but that it's truly what artificial intelligence is. It's that brain that learns as we do and is able to identify in a more automated fashion um, what we need to be looking at. So when teams are preparing for this, are they tying it to how they write their general procurement and travel or, you know, employee initiated spend policies? Are they preparing by updating or reviewing their processes for gaps and seeing how they can clear that together? Are they looking at global tax strategies? Are they looking at all three? What, what are we talking about when they're preparing for an effort like this? Great question, Jean. Thank you for uh, giving me the chance to, to, to try to talk uh, to, to, to help organizations understand this. And, and again, I'll pick up on that word, that word risk. We're, we're here to, to, to minimize the worry of risk and to help you control um, a uh, previously non-scalable process. We're seeing organizations as they approach this, looking at it in a, in a few ways. There are, there are some that come to us and they know categorically what they need to do. It's about understanding and controlling the, the data. They're looking for our tool to help them not just remove all the people from this process and, uh, and their complexity, but also provide the insights that, uh, that they, they need to modify their policy, to modify their, their behavior. And they, they will come to us understanding they've got a, a human risk, they've got a cost, um, they may be overpaying and want to, to reduce that. And so they tend to come in with a deploy the service as it stands, let's deploy our current practices in there and then you do the, the fine tuning after the tool is in place, because it's, it's the tool that gives you the insights that you need to make those, to make those changes. But I think what's, what's also interesting is in this, this, this world of benefits, which is becoming increasingly becoming talked about as a, as a concern as organizations are seeing that the processes aren't scaling. You know, we, we would advise our clients to go and take a look at, just take a look at the expense data today, pick a, a sample, a few hundred expense reports, uh, and take the time to go through them and understand what is what is in there. And you know, just make a note in a in your ledger each each time you come across a receipt that you don't understand the position of. Is it taxable? Is it uh, is it is it not? Should it uh, have a benefit uh, charge to it? Should you reclaim the uh, the, the VAT? Um, and let that process guide you on on the the challenge that you uh, you, you might be facing. And therefore, how we can help you to go through that. 
Our own analysis has, uh, has shown, and the data that we're processing on behalf of our clients has shown that as much as 23% of expense reports have the tax information in them that's wrong or potentially wrong that would need a level of scrutiny to uh, to go through. Not saying the whole report is wrong, but there might be a line or two uh, that's uh, that's in there. And that's one of the things we're seeing our clients doing to try to understand how they go through this process, looking at their data, understanding what's in that data, and then coming to us to ask us to see how we can help. Yeah, and and when I think about it, I think about, you know, to your point, that that whole idea of examining the data and understanding what your process looks like. I also think about it behaviorally and thinking about how are we training our employees around uh, the process itself and what can we do to improve that? So doing a little bit of gap analysis there, you know, that whole idea, don't throw away your receipts or taking a look even at if you're looking to reclaim something, identifying what you're, you know, what you're losing if you're only taking in receipts that are $100 or more in your currency. Do, do you need to lower that uh, in order to gain on your on your VAT reclaim. I also think about some of those organizational things and taking a look at your current process to think about what you already have in place for controls and where the gaps in your controls are and where an automated tool like a blue dot tool could come in and and close some of those gaps for you. And and I always go back to that biggest um, risk that that manual work being the biggest risk and one thing that I might recommend to our concur customers if you have tax tables that you've got in your system think about the last time you updated them how often or frequently you're updating them and who's required to update them this might be the first place to look to ensure that um, you know, from a compliance perspective and from a gap analysis perspective that you've got all your bases covered or that you can identify some of the gaps that are happening that would demonstrate a need for something like an automated solution. Uh, that's a lot of work on those tax tables. And I think autom- that manual work, as Mark has highlighted earlier, comes with a lot of risk because every human is, well, human. And that's how we are. (laughs) Mark, I want to thank you. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Is there anything that I haven't covered or anything that I haven't asked that you're dying to share with the audience? There's one thing, actually, that you've caused me to to think of based on what you were just saying. And you're absolutely right about the the tax tax tables. I mean, I've I've seen from my own personal experience so many times that organizations have deployed them and uh, left them in place with a sigh of relief and found years later that they've not been updated. Remember, I mentioned hundreds of hundreds of changes. But I'd, I'd like to think of it in this way. Employees, all of us, want to do the right thing by our employer when it comes to these processes, but we've got to make it simple for them. And the first, you know, we, I've talked about and you've talked about having the insights and the controls. The first thing that we, we'd encourage our clients to do once they deploy the tool is to simplify the process for the employee. If you don't need to ask them for quite so much data anymore because the tool's doing that for them, take all that off. Make it as simple as possible and then let them focus on the two or three things you really do need them to get right. If you're at a meal and there are other people at the table with you, we need to know who they are. Are they employees, business guests, family, 
um, that has an impact on the on the tax handling. So simplify it so that the things you do need them to do is easier for them to uh, to do it. Because at the end of the day, happy employees are are what most travel programs are trying to uh, trying to accomplish. Yeah. Yeah, well, I love the whole idea of easing up on the employee experience and making it simpler, but still driving compliance. That solves so many business outcomes. My mind is reeling now. So <laughs> uh, thank you for your insights and thank you for sharing all this with me. I have a better understanding of that tax world and I'm hoping that everybody in the audience does as well. Um, I want to thank everybody for listening in. If you have any further questions or would like to get more information about the Blue Dot platforms or the Concur platforms, please go ahead and visit our SAP Concur uh, website. We'd love to see you there and answer your questions if you have any. So on behalf of our SAP Concur conversations and our guest today, Dr. Mark Sterling, I'd like to say thank you and have a great day. Thank you.